Welcome back to another episode of Draftville, USA Today Sports Network's podcast previewing the 2020 NFL Draft in April. I'm your host, Tommy Dees, from the Tennessean in Nashville. On today's show, we're talking Cowboys with Jory Epstein, who covers the Cowboys for the USA Today Network, and we'll talk Tennessee Titans with Gentry Estes of the Tennessean. The Cowboys recently tagged quarterback Dak Prescott, but we'll see what other positions they'll need to address in the draft, with Amari Cooper now signed to a new deal. Meanwhile, the Titans seem to have locked up their two most important pieces before free agency officially began, but they did lose a key piece, and we'll have to address that in the draft. First up, it's Jory Epstein. Well, hello, Jory. How are you today? I'm doing well, Tommy. Thanks so much for having me on. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing good. It's my birthday. It's St. Patrick's Day as we speak on Tuesday. I hope you're wearing green. You know, a little bit, and happy birthday to you. How exciting to be joining you on this special day. Well, it is a special day for the Cowboys, or at least it's a very active and interesting day. Why don't we start with, uh, with the free agency roller coaster and uh, tell us what the Cowboys have done uh, to lock down their roster and what may be leaving or has left and, and how that might impact the draft. Absolutely. Well, we're talking midday Tuesday right now, and it has been a whirlwind day and a half since free agency began and the franchise tag deadline hit. The Cowboys started by placing an exclusive franchise tag on quarterback Jack Prescott, which means that he will not negotiate with other teams. They'll have him under contract for 2020. The question is, will they work out a long-term deal, or will he play 2020 on that franchise tag? And that meant that Amari Cooper, their star receiver, hit the market. So there was about 12 hours yesterday when we weren't sure okay, was Amari going to sign with another team? How much was another team going to offer him? But late Monday night, news broke that the team confirmed on Tuesday morning that they will be keeping Amari Cooper for a five-year deal worth $100 million. So that means the Cowboys still have Jack, they still have Amari, they still have receiver Michael Gallup, and they still have running back Ezekiel Elliott on offense. The only offensive player they really lost was Randall Cobb, who was slot receiver plus. He did a little more than just the slot for them in 2019. He joined the Texans, and so that will certainly be something they look to in a draft that is considered so deep at receiver. I would imagine they'll look there to replace Randall Cobb. Um, at tight end, the Cowboys locked up Blake Jarwin, who's kind of been a little bit undercover with Jason Witten on the roster, which we don't expect necessarily for Witten to come back after so many years with the Cowboys. And then on the defensive side, the Cowboys will need a lot of help because, first of all, they lost cornerback Byron Jones, who's now the top defensive back in terms of contract in the league to Miami. And then Tuesday morning, they lost defensive end Robert Quinn, their pass rusher, who had 11 and a half sacks last year, to the Chicago Bears. So their defensive line needs help. Their secondary needs help. And if they can't shore up a defense that already wasn't great last year, their, their offensive talent isn't going to take them very far. Well, when, when you look at, at their draft uh, selections, they're kind of middle of the first round and um, one, one pick per round except two in the fifth and none in the sixth, if I recall correctly. But, but let's start with that first round pick. Is that automatically now a defensive pick? Yeah. Stephen Jones and Cowboys management have been saying for a while it's clear that their offseason priority in terms of new acquisitions will be defense. So I would say – Secondary is going to be a big need unless they make a splashing free agency, which hasn't been their style. And so I would expect that if there's a good corner safety, that could be a huge 
means that they can fill unless there's some crazy defensive lineman like a Javon Kinlaw of South Carolina that they just feel like they can't pass up. But I will say that the defensive linemen they've drafted high in recent years have not panned out as hope. So they might be more interested in using that first-round draft selection to get a defensive back who's going to be a game-changer right away. And, and possibly go free agency for a defensive lineman who's more a proven commodity. Would that be a good guess? Yeah, I think one thing that the Cowboys like to do is draft as pure as possible. So it would seem that by the time free agency ends, they will have at least enough stock gap that they're not totally desperate by the time April or if the draft gets delayed with all this coronavirus, by the time the draft comes around. So I think that they will find at least one or two defensive linemen and defensive backs in pre-agency. I mean, they have to even to fill a roster because they're losing so many guys. Uh, that being said, that will still be their focus at the top of the draft. What are the odds somewhere in the second, third, or fourth round that they would look for another offensive player? And if so, what would be the positions that they might go? I, obviously, they more or less sewed up their passing game, um, at least their top receiver and their quarterback. But as you mentioned, you, you know maybe a need for a slot guy. And this is supposed to be a draft with a lot of receivers, even into the third and fourth round, who a lot of people think will be every down receivers. Absolutely. I think the third or fourth round would be a great time for them to find Randall Cobb and before that, Cole Beasley's replacement. I think that they don't want to have to reach, although if there's someone really, really talented in the second round, that could be where they find him. Um, it, it also, I mean, it just looks like they're going to start defense and then go to receiver, but quarterback, I would expect them to pick some sort of development person in a late round or as an undrafted free agent, but I wouldn't think that would be too high because they do have Dak Prescott returning and Cooper Rush, at least for now, as a backup. And not, and then I would think that running back, they're pretty set because they have Ezekiel Elliott locked up pretty much for his career. And as your Tennessee listeners might know, Memphis's Tony Pollard had a successful rookie year and he's under contract for more years. So their run game is probably set for a long time. Yeah, let me let me ask you about Pollard. I, I think uh, I gathered that they were very pleased with what they got out of him. Uh, I wouldn't expect necessarily a bigger role because Zeke Elliott is a is a monster back. But it, do they feel adequate there with uh, with him being backed up in this position by Pollard? Yeah, they definitely do, and I'm excited to see how Mike McCarthy in his first year as Cowboys coach will use Zeke and Tony Pollard because traditionally in Green Bay he had these very pass-heavy offenses as one does when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. But what McCarthy has told us is he said, look, my goal is to make the quarterback successful and a good run game is huge in making the quarterback successful. So Zeke will continue to be their workhorse and he's super versatile in terms of receiving, pass blocking, and rushing. That being said, Pollard has a lot to offer. He showed great balance, great patience last year, and really made the most of his opportunities, particularly later in the season. And McCarthy is big on taking talented, versatile weapons and scheming packages for them, and that's a place where I think Tony Pollard will come in handy and be a player who Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, and Mike McCarthy really enjoy scheming for. Well, the, the draft is obviously crucial to every um, team in our organization, um, but, but when Dallas looks back on the 2020 draft, what will it want to say it accomplished? And, and in particular, how many of their picks do they expect to, to be plug-and-play, to, to be starters? It's a good question. It might be a little bit early in free agency to tell that, but I would think they're looking for 
at least two or three defensive guys who could make an immediate impact in defense or certainly get starts in the first year, and then potentially one offensive player, that being at that spot receiver-type position, but they could fill that beforehand. Um, but a, a big thing for the Cowboys is they've drafted really well in last year's. I mean, you think of their 2016 draft class with Dak and Zeke. Um, they, all over, DeMarcus Lawrence is a drafted. Pretty much all their top guys, their offensive linemen, are homegrown talents, and that's something they pride themselves on. But that has does two things. One, it means they need to keep drafting because they're now needing to pay all of those guys. And two, and two, I mean, it goes hand in hand. But again, they don't have the money to sign all of these positions at need on the open market, so they need these rookies to really step up and counteract what contracts like Jack and Amari's are going to do for the salary cap. And one more question, um, looking at, at what the Cowboys have, what the Cowboys need, and knowing the organization, how surprised would you be if they decided to trade up um, maybe to get the, the coveted DB that they want or safety that they want in the first round? Or do you think by 17 where they pick, they're going to be in pretty good shape to get what they want? You know, I think whether they will do it and whether they should do it are different questions. I think back to the 2018 draft when Derwin James went at pick 17 and they desperately needed the safety and they did not trade up. They ended up getting linebacker Leighton Vanderesh and he's played well for them, especially his rookie year. But they don't seem to want to trade up when they think they can do something similar and they don't like giving up draft capital. So I do not expect them to trade up. Whether it might be the move to trade up a couple spots, they could, but I think you might have that Jerry Jones wanting to make a splash and his son Stephen Jones and their VP player personnel, Will McClay, saying, nah, maybe that's not in our best interest. So it seems like there will be enough talent by the time the Cowboys pick comes around at 17 that they will not be trading up. Well, Jory, thank you for joining us here on Draftville, and uh, you probably got more free agency stuff to jump on uh, before the day's over. Um, thank you for joining us, and thank you for your time. You bet. Thanks so much for having me on, Tony. Great to talk with you. And now we're joined here on Draftville by Gentry Estes, columnist for the Tennessean and Tennessean.com. How are you doing today, Gentry? I'm pretty good, all things considered. You got your green uh, carry-all uh, drink uh, thing, emblematic of St. Oh, Patrick's Day and green socks. Green socks, uh, I We are talking on early afternoon on St. Patrick's Day, and there's been a lot going on with the Titans in the free agency market. Not so much acquiring, but locking down. Yeah, I mean, thank goodness for, for the NFL and the sports blackout period that the uh, free agency has gone on and there's obviously a lot of big news i think nationally the tom brady stuff is kind of dominating but the titans got uh, ahead who? of it. <laughs> yeah the tight the titans got ahead of that i mean they were obviously being mentioned a lot with brady but th- they get ahead of that they they re-sign ryan Tannehill, so no more questions at quarterback they put the tag on derrick henry so there could still be a deal there in the works with derrick henry but at the very least you know he's probably going to be a part of the team next year and those were the two big questions i think everything else periphery it was peripheral to that in terms of the titans in the offseason they lose right tackle jack conklin which uh, i think people thought if they retained both of the others they would almost have to do for cap reasons he he appeared to be one that that was on that that line um and i think logan ryan at corner is another uh you don't know about a deal with him and when it gets to this point in free agency and you haven't heard of a deal for a guy returning he's probably not going to because now he's negotiating with other teams so um but they did sign, re-sign an all-purpose uh, or will re-sign an all-purpose offensive lineman who could fill that right tackle spot and has it. At, at I think I think that's the plan is Dennis Kelly being the right tackle. I, I think that was 
Probably the plan all along was you could get him a lot cheaper than you could get Jack Conklin, and I think that that was what they ended up doing. And there was there were times in the last two seasons where he outperformed Conklin when Conklin wasn't maybe a hundred percent and and he got to play and also played left tackle some. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a small step back, but maybe not not a huge one and not a big enough one to justify how much Conklin would have cost. Uh, he got a big time deal uh, with the Browns, and and so he's he's being paid like a, like a top tackle. And, and then you have the questions like, well, you could have put the franchise tag on him that would have been pretty costly uh for a tackle versus versus a running back and i i think the move with derrick henry is going to i'm not gonna say controversial but it may not be totally popular just because players don't like being tagged usually and you've got a guy in henry obviously very popular in the locker room everybody knows what he did on that team last season so henry probably didn't like it teammates probably didn't like it but if you're the titans it just made too much sense you have this resource available to you and you're able to do it to lock up the running back you know you need but not be tied down on some big five, six-year deal um, into the future. So I think so far the offseason's gone about as well as it, it could have for the Titans. They're getting back, who, for the most part, who they would want, and they still have some, some financial flexibility to maybe chase a few guys here in the next few days. And we will be talking about how that impacts the draft now as we um, flip forward. Uh, the Titans have six picks including one in each of the first, second, and third rounds, where I think they would expect to do, like any team, to get the best the best uh, possible players. So being that they have locked down a lot of stuff and, and seem to be pretty well-rounded on what they want to do on the offensive line, where, where would you expect the Titans? What do they need that they may address in those first three rounds, and, and especially with their pick late in the first round? I think the more this goes, the more you would have to believe it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Um, right now, you can look at it and say they're starting 11 on offense appears set uh, with Henry back, Tannehill back, and that sort of thing. Uh, defensively, what you've heard all along was that edge rusher was probably going to be um, a big area of need. They, they didn't uh, clearly last season that was a position where the Titans could have done better, and I think it really hurt them against two teams in particular in the Texans and the Chiefs who are going to continue to be thorn in the side kind of teams I think the Chiefs are obviously who everybody's going to be catching in the AFC and the Texans are going to be who the Titans are catching in the division um, so what do you need to, to to try to deal with that you need you certainly need more of an impactful edge rusher type I think they believed Harold Landry was going to potentially be that guy and you know he just wasn't he had a, he had a pretty good season but I think they 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 need better than what they got there and I think it really hurt them in games like the AFC championship game where Patrick Mahomes able to do what he wants and when you see that you just just forget it um, I think they're going to need a lot more speed on the back end to deal with those two teams now it helps the Titans that uh, for some reason the Texans decided it was in their best interest to trade DeAndre Hopkins out of the division that helps the Titans yeah that's a guy you don't have to worry about covering who, that's, that's a big deal a lot really. of a lot of a lot of teams can't cover him. Yeah, so but I think speed on the back end is going to be important when you're talking about teams like the Chiefs. You, you know that these are these are you know, track meet kind of teams, and they have all kinds of speed on the edges, and they they, they give everybody trouble with that, not just the Titans. But if you're looking at trying to win the AFC, trying to go to the Super Bowl, which I think the Titans are, I feel like they 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 believe they are a team close to that. Then you're going to need more speed on the back end, and if if they end up not signing. Logan Ryan, then I think that's where that's aimed. So to me, first couple of picks, it would make a lot of sense if you saw edge rusher, cornerback. Can they get the kind of quality um, late in the first and, and, and into the second 
at those spots to really improve enough to get a to get a elite edge rusher? Are there guys that you would think would be around late first? I mean, it's a great question. Because um, sometimes you say, "Well, we need this, we need this, we need this." Whatever we are, whoever we are, whatever team, and you, and if you're picking late in the first, and you're saying, "Yeah, you you want a quarterback," and there's not a quarterback, or you want a elite tight end, and both of them that are projected that well have already been drafted. What what would you think might be available late one? Yeah, I mean, I think for in terms of edge rusher, you're probably either going to need to take a chance on a guy i don't know if that's the right way to say it and, and just go for potential maybe more than production in terms of somebody who's who's got a lot of the, the physical traits that you want in the position who maybe wasn't a superstar in college or you're gonna have to take a guy who may not fit the edge rusher type perfectly but is a good player maybe somebody like a marlon davidson at auburn who isn't some people don't view him as a standard edge rusher type but you can get someone who you know is 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 just as good against the run and you can maybe leave him out there in a three down kind of situation uh, that's that kind of guy um at corner you never really know because corner is such a high interest position in that draft it's the kind of thing that you look like at the, you can have a run on corners in the first round yes you can and when you maybe when you don't expect i mean you go into years where you end up there are some positions where you, like running back for instance where you might get your guy late in the first round you know nobody just gets one Josh Jacobs went to the Raiders late first round last year I mean you you see that but corner usually isn't I mean yeah the corner left tackle I mean there are certain and edge rusher to be mm-hmm. honest are, yeah. are are high value positions you, in you, that can, draft. you can if your need is interior defensive lineman and you're picking 29th or 30th you you feel like you can probably find a pretty good interior defensive line. An edge rusher is harder to find that late. Yeah, and, and I think in terms of cornerback, I'm not sure the Titans would go there in the first round because I feel like once this year's class in particular, I'm not sure there's a lot of difference between what you would get late second, late first, maybe there. It depends on what's available, I guess. And you know, I've always been a big proponent of best player available. I, I'm going to throw a wild scenario out there for the Titans that, that they may not do. Um, I'd look at wide receiver. I mean, you you look at what is available in this draft and, and the odds of those guys. This is a receiver-heavy draft. And the odds of those guys maybe not coming off the board as quickly as you think in the first round. I mean, if you get some of these guys like – Lamb or Judy or some of these guys that are being projected middle of the first round, if for some reason they do fall to you at that level, I, if I'm the Titans, I got to do it. I, I mean, I, I don't care. I know the, the the what you need is probably more on the defensive side of the ball right now, but when I'm looking at that team, they need they need some a big play receiver. They need somebody to take the top off too. They do, and and, I, and last year they got a very productive first round, uh, excuse me, second round receiver in AJ Brown. Um, but they need more than that because there are other guys who are not producing week to week. Right, and, and you look at that starting offense for next year and you see Corey Davis there, and um, not only do I think Corey Davis might not be that difficult to replace at this point, honestly, uh, I, I and, and I feel like he's not going to be probably a Titan long term. I think he's got a short, short stay. He's had a nice window to show – his potential and he has not shown himself to be a first round level receiver no i think he's a solid receiver he's good in the run game sure. he's, he's physical he he does a lot of the things away from the ball that people don't always notice but in terms of being a number one receiver and a guy that scares defenses in that league he's just not there and i, and I think 
you know, and, and I know the Titans think a lot of Johnny Smith at tight end, but I think that's another position where over the course of this draft, you, you, you look at all, uh, there's six spots for the Titans mm-hmm. throughout this draft, and, and I think it's going to be, you know, look, here's what you need. You're going to need a backup quarterback probably, unless they go sign somebody to be the backup Tannehill. Um, you, you're you're going to need help at those two defensive spots that we've talked about, but and you're probably going to need a tackle somewhere in there um, with with Conklin leaving at least somebody on the offensive line. I think I think they, they're, there's certainly some depth issues that you need to address there. Um, but the rest of it, you may have a couple of spots you can play with, and and I think if one of these top receivers happens to be sitting there at 29 in the first round, or even you know high 20s, and you can maybe move up a little bit. I think it would be huge for the Titans to be able to get that guy. I think their offense really missed that. And there's, there's, you mentioned tight end as a possible position of, of need, uh, at least for depth. Um, the other one is running back. Um, be behind Derrick Henry, um, Deion Lewis is no longer going to be a Titan. So they need a, a guy who can, Henry's not going to carry it. Yeah, I would like Henry to carry it 40 times a game because I would enjoy watching that. But, you know, there are going to be a series he sits out, and there's going to be games where maybe he's banged up, which is true for anybody at the running back position. And and they seem to have a want in their offense to have a, quote, third down back who's maybe a little more of a flexible receiver type guy. So so what would they look for, and how early might they move there? That's also a good point. I mean, you could make a case. I, I think when you're committing to Derrick Henry, that probably takes you out of getting a running back in the first round. But if you did, and you say – a guy like Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. I mean, you see how far he falls. A guy that can uh, really help you in a lot of ways and be be a serviceable, good, powerful guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, likes like we're good between the tackles guy. I think. Yeah, or I think you know you've got plenty of guys who would be that third down type. They right. they've, they've indicated in the past that they don't think Derrick Henry's that guy in terms of being able to to be the third down pass catching back. That's the role Deion Lewis ended up playing. Uh, you're paying him way too much for that role, and you can go draft a guy that, that right. can go do that. Um, I'm going to throw, in just terms of offensive playmaker, I'm going to throw another name out there that, that I really think the Titans should start considering maybe third round, middle of the draft. See how far Lynn Bowden at Kentucky falls. That's a guy who – he's not going to play quarterback in the league, obviously, like he had to Oh, darn, you could, he could be your backup with receiver, quarterback, and running back all at once. What you can do with that guy – He's a slash – uh, again, he's what the Titans don't have. There, there were very grinded out. You run Henry thirty times, and that's what worked for them. It still will. But I feel like you, you get a guy like Len Bowden in the mix, and uh, just a, a game breaking type, and you get him on the field and make people account for where he where he is. Um, I I think that would add a lot of flexibility to the Titans offensive play calls that maybe they didn't have you know they they became very meat and potatoes because that's kind of what they had um i i would look for if you're going to go offense you need a guy with speed who 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 can make make plays and i think that would probably go for the running back spot too and 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 maybe lynn bowden could be that guy Uh, he's a guy who checks different boxes kind of the ones all we're we're all talking about here right he's a guy that that the patriots always end up with (laughs) That guy who's got like four different, you know, the Swiss Army knife type. Thing. Either that, or he goes to Kansas City and he puts up crazy numbers, and you're like, God, how'd they get him in the fifth round? Right. I mean, yeah. Well, that seems to take care of the Titans as we look ahead to the 2020 draft. Thank you for joining us, Gentry Estes. I enjoyed it. Well, that does it for another episode of Draftville. 
We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcast. And you can drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. I'm Tommy Dees, and we'll be back again next week. <laughs>